Everyone, welcome to another episode of Better in Bed, the podcast where we talk about sex and inspire you to get better at it. I'm Sarah, and I'm a certified sexologist and coach, and I help people like you overcome shame, explore your sexuality, and communicate more meaningfully about sex. Now, I know a lot of you listening to this podcast love the tips, stories, and insights that we dish out about sex on the podcast. So. If you want that more regularly in your inbox, do drop me a line at my website sarahsense.com and join my email community. You'll get some special resources and insights that I don't share anywhere else but on email. So, joining me in the studio today, I want to welcome my co-host and friend Mo, who runs the regular backstage comedy nights in Hong Kong and is also the host of the Ho Ho Hong Kong podcast. Say hi, Mo. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Yes. Thanks for coming back. Actually, always a pleasure. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I'm always happy whenever you're on my Thank you. podcast couch. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it's not quite yet Valentine's Day, but will be by the time we release this yeah. episode. <laughs> I do remember you on our last episode, which was episode thirty-four. Yeah, that was a wild ride, wasn't it? It was a wild <laughs> ride because I think the story that you shared about your sexual fantasy on a camel has stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, bunch <laughs> of messages from your listeners about it, by the way. <laughs> and that's actually why I invited you back. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so right. you could tell more stories of uh, camels. I'm sorry to disappoint, <laughs> but I can't top this one because <laughs> since I don't know if you know that since the last time I was on, I never left Hong Kong. <laughs> okay, so. that's true. What do we have in Hong Kong? We've got wild boar here in Hong Kong. Okay, so that is uh, that is that. maybe a legal fantasy. So I'm not, <laughs> I don't think that's part of mine. As a Muslim man, boar is that's not. You're right. Yeah. Doesn't go. Doesn't <laughs> go with what like your your beliefs. Really? You're right. <laughs> so, are you a fan of Valentine's Day, Mo? No. The short answer is no. You're I think not. historically I have been over the last like maybe seven or eight years I've always been not just like not with somebody but even if I am with somebody it's always like not a good time on Valentine's Day because okay. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves. Oh I see. But so also, recently I've been also single so I don't. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But do you like celebrate with I don't know with friends or with loved ones? You know, Valentine's Day isn't no, always. I, I, with... You know I used to live in mainland China and then. <laughs> Usually every Valentine's Day, I'm going Taobao and go nuts. I just buy a bunch of stuff on Taobao that I don't need. Hey, That's my Valentine's Day. That sounds day. romantic. Yeah, it is. For myself, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think it's for somebody. It's not. It's okay, so have, let me ask you. Valentine's Day or not Valentine's Day. In fact, this could be any day yeah. of the year. Have you ever taken the time to do something that makes your lover feel special? Yes. So a couple of times I have taken the person I'm with on like a spontaneous trip on Valentine's Day. And that's usually... Oh, on Valentine's Day. Yeah. That's usually my go-to move. It's like the night before or whatever. Or okay. Like we're off for a trip. Like obviously we schedule a little like I make right. sure she's off work or something. Right. So this but was pre-restrictions in Hong Kong, yes, right? Yeah, that's pre-Hong Kong. <laughs> like when I was living in China, especially because yeah. you can always go like there's a lot of nature around Shanghai mm-hmm, where you can mm-hmm. just go like camping or something like that. Yeah. Or you do like a staycation basically. Oh, that's so nice. I would book something like that. 
And then sometimes she doesn't even know where we're going. We just get on the train and then eventually it would be like somewhere out in nature. That's my, because uh, yeah. I'm very bad with gifts. Oh, I bad with yeah, gifts. Yeah, very bad with gifts. So I usually do like give like an experience of some sort, yeah. which is like a staycation or like yeah. you know, a random trip or something. I know how to buy stuff for myself. That yeah. doesn't mean anything to anybody. Uh-huh. Not even to me. I just want to buy stuff because I feel sad. <laughs> but other than that, I just, I don't have the confidence to think that someone is going to like the stuff I'm giving them. Right. You know okay. I mean? But like you're a comedian though. So why don't you give them the gift of you? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, give them a ticket to your comedy night. Right. That's... I'm with somebody. They have come to so many shows that they're just oh, sick right. of seeing any show. I see. Okay. Which, Are you still running the comedy night? Yeah, yeah. So we're in Wan Chai in Hong Kong. Okay. Where every Saturday the brand is backstage. So if you right. follow on Instagram, the backstage HK, and the website is the backstage mm-hmm. And we have shows every Saturday. That's obviously with restrictions allowing. Right now, as we're recording, we're on break it, because yeah. we can't do anything after 6 p.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but generally speaking, we're every Saturday. Just okay. look up the backstage HK, and that's where we are. Okay. Well, on this idea of giving someone the gift of you, (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you something, all right? Okay. I want your honest take on this. Uh Okay. (laughs) Have you ever shaved your balls as a way to make your lover feel special on Valentine's Day or any other day? Okay. The honest answer is (laughs) no, but yes and no. So yes to the part of shaving. Yes. No to the part of making her feel special. I just did it because it's like at some point it's like I have to, you know? Right. Yeah, but it's not like, this is for you. You, know? <laughs> you. You don't tie your balls up in a bow or anything no, no. <laughs> and present them? <laughs> no. No? No, I wish I was that guy. Like, no, I Because would that would be a good like, gift though, right? So yeah. you're saying you're lacking gift ideas. I'm yes. just trying yeah. to no, add you're right. to your creativity. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should. I will add that to when I'm totally out of ideas. Yeah. But okay. okay, so no, I would do it and I think the person would, would appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, I did this for you. I just I don't. See. I, I'm I, not that guy. All right. Okay. Well, if you are that guy, <laughs> I think this is actually a really good time to talk about our first sponsor for this episode, which is Manscaped, Woo! because they are the leaders in below the waist grooming and they have the best tools to get your balls ready for Valentine's Day or any day. <laughs> And the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make each and every day just a little more special. And the number one product in this package is the Lawn Mower 4.0. Great name. Great name, yeah. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and I guess lawns as well. And get this. So the trimmer's advanced skin-safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on delicate balls. It even has a 4,000K LED spotlight so you can shave anywhere your heart desires. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, actually, this is great. I would totally use that. But then again, I'm, I'm buying it as a gift. I'm buying it for some... I'm, no, no, you, you know, you, you, man, you're right? buying it for yourself to make yourself uh, the gift. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. So, and then I wrap myself and my balls in a bow. Got it. Correct. Yes. So I think this is one occasion that everyone can get behind. Whether or not you're into Valentine's Day or not, making yourself a gift for your partner. So let's go to manscaped.com and use code BETTERINBED for 20% off and free shipping. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code better in bed. Sounds great. <laughs> I will probably get one because people probably can't tell, but I'm a very hairy man. <laughs> like, if you just look at my face, you can imagine the rest pretty easily. Yeah, so, I think I might need two lawnmowers. You've got lawns all over the exactly. place, essentially. So lawnmower 8.0, <laughs> which is two regular lawnmowers. It's a good idea. But, yeah, actually, this this sounds great because th- this product, like, it's so easy to. Mm-hmm. to cut yourself if you're using like it any, is. Yeah, yeah. and it's like i mean for guys like just the gymnastics involved to just get all the way down to yeah, the yeah. balls it's and like we don't really I have, even <laughs> think about it no. we don't really have like the equivalent of like a spa or something i don't even know where women oh no yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah yeah women have like brazilian bikini yeah we don't like have that. I think yeah I would like to have one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's we good. It it's like good. This one has a light as well. Yeah. So it shines the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to Valentine's Day. You yes. know, since most of us here in Hong Kong are actually staying in this Valentine's Day, yes. let's brainstorm a few sexy date night ideas for people who are staying in, in this sort of lockdown friendly dates, uh, things that are kind of still special and meaningful, maybe better than just Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm huge mm-hmm. on camping mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think people don't do it enough. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite places is Sai Kung. Mm-hmm. Like over there, there's a bunch of beaches mm-hmm. when you can just go and basically be in a tent with yeah. your partner. Yeah. And actually, pro tip, you can totally have sex out in the open at night. Like no one can see you. It's super dark. Really? Yeah, yeah. You can just do it on the beach. Well, that means you don't have a light in your tent though. No, no, I'm talking about outside the tent even. Oh, outside the yeah, tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just under the moonlight, like super romantic. Right. I'm not even like being okay. funny. No, no, it's totally But so. most campsites in Hong Kong have, you know, they're super crowded. There's like no, at least so like 20 people Wan, on that. Unless you go in like really high season, like Chinese New Year right. or something. Yeah. But if you go to Thailand one on any weekend, it's okay. so big that even if there's 10 tents, we're so far from each other. Mm-hmm. And then if you're out under the stars, like at night, mm-hmm. and there's no lights, no one can see. I've done it before. No oh, one can see you. Okay. And it's really nice. It's All just right. like something different. If yeah. you're looking to, you know, spice okay. things up or just like something different Perfect. for Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I would recommend camping. Yeah. There is a bunch of other sites when like it's not even by the beach. Mm-hmm. There's like government gazette sites. Mm-hmm. I do not recommend having sex outside in those. <laughs> Because okay. I think that's illegal. Good enough. But you can still do it in your tent, which is still quite cool. Okay. Well, for the people who are staying in and doing sexy date nights, okay, <laughs> and maybe not camping. Actually, you could bring this along camping as well. Our next sponsor has something that could really help you take your sexy time to a whole new level, especially if you're a penis owner or a penis lover. So I can't wait to tell you all about Promescent because Promescent is a premium sexual health company which makes a signature delay spray that's clinically proven to help men last longer in bed. And when I tried the spray with a partner, I was actually surprised at how quickly it worked, how long it lasted, and how little transfer there was to me during sex. So nothing actually felt numb, and we just had a sensational time. And my partner felt like he could have gone on for longer, so next time I use it, I'm clearing out my schedule. Nice. (laughs) And don't just take my word for it, because over 2,000 healthcare professionals also recommend Promescent. So check out promescent.com. They have a full line of products from lubricants to supplements and everything you'll need for a longer lasting, more satisfying sex and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Promescent is spelt P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Can you say it one more time? <laughs> I, I Promescent. So pro, P-R-O. 
M E S M E S C E N T dot com. Got it. <laughs> All right. It will also be in the episode summary, guys, if you need a link. So onto our topic for today. Which is all about rekindling sexual desire, and when we talk about sexual desire or libido, I think many people think it's this animalistic craving of like I want sex right now that we often see in the movies, and they assume that this is what sexual desire is actually really going to look like for their entire lives. But the reality can be different, and if anything, this ongoing pandemic has. Changed our sex lives, and one of the things that I hear a lot from people is the impact that it's actually had on our level of sexual desire. So I can't wait to dive into this topic with my guest for this episode, Dr. Kristen Zeising. And Kristen is a clinical psychologist and certified sex therapist practicing in Hong Kong. Her goal is to compassionately support and empower adults to live an authentic and meaningful life that reflects their individual sexual and relationship needs and values. Hi, Kristen. Hello there. It's so nice to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you. So I thought we'd start the podcast just by talking about some myths that we have, and that's the thing、mm -hmm. is that when people come into my office, they expect they say, "Oh gosh, I don't have this excited sexual desire. I don't have a spontaneous sexual desire that I should have." And I've been in a relationship for five or ten years,、mm -hmm. and I should just want to tear my partner's clothes off.、Yeah. And I'm thinking, why? No, that's not normal. For also, clothes is expensive. <laughs> Can you not do that? <laughs> not very sustainable yeah,、exactly. for the, the industry. You're、yeah. right, <laughs> but、it's、you're like, right. It's like a Hollywood. That's、yeah. what how we see it on movies,、yeah. right? Like that spontaneous desire and that excitement、mm -hmm. is something that is part of an initial relationship. So, say like the first six months to two years, it's more common that you'll、mm -hmm. look at your partner and go, "Man,、yeah. I want to have sex with you.、Yeah. Roll over, lay down, whatever. I want to bend over. Sex. Let's have sex." Right. 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 But what happens is that the longer with somebody, that spontaneous desire doesn't really last.、Mm -hmm. We have more what's called responsive desire. That usually, for most people, for most women, something has to happen. There has to be a context, behavior, situations where you go, "Huh, that kind of makes me feel like I'm in the mood," and then you respond from that place, not just from hot, from some hot, horny, heavy place.、Mm, okay. And so, why does that change over time? Ah,、uh, great question.、Yeah. You know, I think part of it's mother nature. You know, when we anthropologically, they've done studies and they look at when people first get together, like they want them to bond, or nature wants them to bond.、Mm -hmm. So they come together, they form a bond, they make babies and procreate.、Mm -hmm. You know, and you just need a little bit of time for that.、Yeah. But imagine that energy that you first have when you meet somebody.、Yeah. If that lasted, you'd get nothing done. Yeah, you get、mm -hmm. no work done. You wouldn't leave your house, so it kind of naturally calms down,、mm -hmm. and we get more of like what's a companionship bond, more、mm -hmm. of a friendship bond, and so it's not so hot and heavy.、Mm -hmm. But then I also meet the people who also almost see that as an inevitable thing, and they say, "Oh yes, of course, long term." Passion is always gonna fade. It's inevitable, and it's almost like said with sort of resignation. And is that a myth as well, though? Because does passion and desire always fade? It doesn't always fade. It changes. We just shift in how we see each other. You're not this unique person who I've just met and I don't know anything about you. You get to know each other and you start feeling like, okay, we're closer, we're bonded. 
But the goal is to still continue to create erotic relationship while you have this companionship relationship. And it takes teamwork. Mm -hmm. And you hope that if you have safety and security just enough Mm -hmm. to feel close while still being curious Mm -hmm. and both as a team come together and think, how can we continue to spark this? Because you can. Mm -hmm. And I've had couples come in. I have a couple that was in his 70s who would have their erotic nights together and still oh, work really? on that. Whoa. Isn't that fantastic? That is so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I love that they're 70 because here's another myth I hear. Oh, this idea that desire and libido, it just fades with age as well. And this idea of like this hot and heavy desire, something like, oh, that's only for the young people. Yeah. I don't know if you I mean, we generally slow well. down, right? As people get older, their lifestyle on average kind of slows down. A couple of things is that, again, there's the newness aspect. Okay, bring some energy. But as we get older, yes, we have more responsibilities and that can weigh on us. But it's also context dependent, you know? I mean, if I'm working all day, have kids, been married to somebody for 10 years, I'm probably mm-hmm. not coming home and going, woohoo, let's have sex. Yeah. However, if we've had a nice long staycation, kids are taken care of. We've gone camping. We've yes. gone camping. <laughs> He's shaved his balls. <laughs> I mean, then it's like, I might be in the mood. So you have to think mm-hmm. about, you have to work a little bit harder. Like, mm-hmm. what are those things that will turn me on? I mean, I'm frankly, yeah, I know like when I was in my 20s, it felt mm. different than mm-hmm. in my 40s. Yeah. But again, context and also being with a long-term partner, you get really used to them. Mm. And for women, they're finding that actually women kind of need more novelty than we realized. Mm-hmm. A lot of women, you'll hear them say or, or you'll assume that they don't want sex much over time. But you know what? If Jason Momoa moved in next door, all of a sudden you might be like, (laughs) who's that? I mean, really, you need something different. Not saying to cheat on your husband. I'm just saying that there's certain things that can bring some sexual energy up. Okay, when you're saying something different, you're also referring to another person. (laughs) You know what? You can see that person and they can give you energy and you go back to your partner with that energy as well. That's very sad. What you just said is very sad. (laughs) You think so? Yeah, because you're like, I just saw Jason Momoa, I cannot fuck him. I mean, I'll go go back to my husband, so I kind of don't want to fuck. But I think it's perfectly normal. You were on my episode where we talked about fantasies. And it's perfectly normal, as we talked about on that episode, But if you're using something as reference to something, you know what I mean? I was just trying to say that the point is that we have the same, same, same every day. So you need to find ways to spark it up. Now, if you were to read erotica, or if some were to watch some nice porn that they enjoy together, that's Mm. still considering other people. It's just what's in your mind of getting it sparked up, whatever you need to do. And he just kind of came to mind. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he would come to my mind as well. He would so. come to my mind as well. <laughs> I think my dog who's sleeping, she also fancies him. So. But let's talk about that because I think you've already mentioned women a few times. And yeah. I always also hear this saying, people always say to me, oh, men are always horny, but actually... And they always want sex more than women. But, you know, is this actually true in your experience? No. What's interesting is that men don't always have a higher sex drive. I actually see many men in my practice Mm -hmm. who have a low sex drive or their partner and them come in and your partner's complaining. Yeah. Why aren't you horny? It's a stereotype. Mm -hmm. You know, and also I think the dangerous part with that stereotype, it puts pressure on them. So if they're not in the mood, they feel like they're supposed to be. And then for partners, I, by the way, I typically see mostly heterosexual couples, so I'm probably referring to them mostly. As a partner, sometimes the female will feel like, well, gosh, I better give him sex because I'm sure he's always horny. And then right. that puts mm-hmm. them in a position. So it's an unhealthy stereotype that we have. Mm. Oh, and where does it come from? 
Well, that's a deeper question. Mm. I mean, I think it's just been passed down from society that in a macho culture mm. and patriarchal culture, and that's like how they're supposed to, I don't know, just the whole idea of be a man, be mm. strong, be virile, you know? Yeah. And so you're supposed to always have mm. that. And I'm thinking, though, nowadays with the younger folks, I think attitudes are starting to shift a little bit mm -hmm. and be a little bit more equal in the power dynamics and the sexual dynamics. That's kind of the trend I'm starting to see a little bit. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, women also have been socialized on the opposite <laughs> as well, right? So while men have been socialized, this idea, you know, virile, like, mm. go sow your seed, mm -hmm. women through the decades have also been socialized to repress our sexuality, yeah. be pure, be chaste. Yeah, I mean, things. it doesn't seem like as like the younger generations, as mm -hmm. Kristen said, mm -hmm. it, you can't really see that any longer in like modern societies anyway because mm -hmm. everyone is so open now so like even the idea even mm -hmm. though i can understand what you're saying it sounds so foreign right Does now it? yeah, yeah. i'm glad really? things are changing That's but yeah. i feel like in more conservative circles like this is where i come from like i come from the middle east so yeah. it's still very much a thing there really? but even okay. there it's changing mm. a bit where okay, people like good. young people like no we're basically the same yeah like, if you have access to this i should have access to it as well yeah fantastic that's really great so maybe we can do a little nerdy <laughs> bit where we talk about the sexual response cycle yeah because i yes. think a lot of people when we talk about sexual desire and sexual arousal I think they think it's the same thing, right? Sure. And, uh, yeah, exactly. It's not. And I don't know, Christian, if you wanted to just maybe tell Mo and tell some of our listeners yeah. if we could clarify some of our understanding around this. Sure. Well, the nerdy part is there's a sexual response cycle that they kind of came up with in the 1950s. So if you think mm -hmm. about it too, like we haven't been talking about sex scientifically or scholarly for very long. Mm -hmm. And so let me explain. Mm -hmm. It starts off with excitement, so that's the first stage. You start getting excited. You start getting your heart on, start getting lubricated. And then you start going on from that linear place to plateau. And then you have orgasm and then you have resolution. So it's typically, historically, this linear path. I knew that United Nations have the resolutions. I did not know the steps before that. That yeah, makes every United important. Nations council yeah. very different. Resolution in the sexual response cycle means something completely very different. Oh, okay. the, the I like UN. to think it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, a lot of the history has been kind of based on male sexual functioning with that. Mm -hmm. Then Dr. Bassin in 2005 came up with the alternative, which is more of a female sexual response cycle, where it's more circular, you know, mm -hmm. and you realize that for a lot of women, you don't have necessarily desire before arousal. And traditionally, that's kind of how we looked at it. Mm -hmm. For a lot of women, you might even have arousal, then desire, or something else in the context might make them turned on. Mm -hmm. So that kind of started to incorporate that without getting too in-depth with it. Uh, isn't desire and arousal like come hand in hand, right? Well, let's talk about desire and arousal, because I know mm -hmm. that's something that people discuss a lot. People like me are confused about. So Yeah. Well, so does sexual desire, when we talk about sexual desire, literally, it's like the thoughts, the fantasies, the interest and the motivation to engage mm -hmm. in sexual activity. So we often think of it as our libido. It's a mental part. And so it's like that wanting to have sex, mm. you know, when you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm thinking about it and I have desire. Where the arousal, now there's the physical arousal where you're getting erect, you're getting lubricated, you're getting flushed, your heart's beating. That's mm. the physical part. But then there's subjective arousal. So that's like the idea that your brain is going, I'm turned on. Brain is going, I'm turned on. So there's a body saying it's turned on, then mm. there's a brain. The thing is, they're not always in sync. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you're at the post office. And <laughs> you know, yeah. She's telling that you're not buying all the stamps and all you're thinking of is like, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Your a great brain example. is telling you. No, but it's and so then the true. Rest of you is like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I'm sure a lot of I know of it sounds men. to a lot of people that's kind of fucked up, but it's, have, it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> I think the male listeners can all understand yeah, what you're talking exactly. about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just like the movies when the volume is like fading and all you're mm -hmm. thinking of is like something completely different. But then the rest of you is telling you to, you know, yeah. think of your dead grandmother so you can go back into <laughs> thinking of stamps. Yeah, that's so funny. Well, that's, see, that's the thing. That's called technically arousal non-concordance. So wow. when our Fancy brain, yeah. exactly, yeah. and our bodies don't sync. And that's good to know, like for that example, but it's also important to know for people, for example, that are survivors of sexual assault, mm -hmm. because for a lot of these folks, there's a lot of shame around maybe my body responded. You know, mm. maybe my body was physically turned on mm -hmm. when I was uh, raped, for example, mm -hmm. but your brain wasn't, you know, and so they have to understand, it's helpful to understand that that's, your body's just doing what it knows how to do when it gets touched and stimulated. And those things aren't always in sync. And that's the thing. We'd like to, we'd like to have them in sync though. We'd like to feel turned on mm -hmm. and actually act turned on. That's, that's yeah. the idea for most of us. Yeah. I think that there's definitely times when I have been turned on and I think my body has been a little slow to catch yeah. up. Yeah. Was, yeah. Was there any time when you're like completely in the wrong place? I've never... Standing on the ferry or something. That's, you know what, for and the women... Man is yeah. the rope, you're like, oh yeah. I think for women, I have definitely have had fantasies <laughs> in the most inconvenient yeah. places. But it's a lot easier to hide, isn't yeah. it? Like, we not necessarily have something standing up in our pants or anything. So Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. I can, don't get me wrong. It's like, yeah. <laughs> if you have, if I general, like, I speak for myself, if I have yeah. this fantasy, it doesn't mean like I have a hard on at the post office. Oh, okay. No, That's no, what no. I thought you were talking no, about. No. <laughs> because that would have been no. interesting. That would have been interesting. With the aunties no, no, who sit there. Your brain is going there. Yeah. Your brain is fantasized about the whole right, thing, about yes. how she's going to kick everyone out of the post office and it's uh -huh, going to be her uh -huh, and me. Uh -huh, and, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant. I see. <laughs> I no actually thought. The post office. Oh, okay. But haven't you had the experience where I think a lot of men do have this experience where you have a hard on and you actually, your brain at that point of time I think is I, not I, old, actually uh, thinking of anything yes. sexual. Maybe when you're younger. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Gonna say, the older yeah. you get, the yeah. older you get, like yeah. the more in control you have. Yeah, like, yeah. I would say, think the last time, I was like 21 years old or something. Right, right. But that's old. also arousal non-concordance. Oh, yeah. I actually thought that was what happened to you Me at too. the post office. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that is arousal non-concordance. So essentially, I think just to summarize excitement or desire is something that happens in the brain yeah right yeah. and arousal is something that follows usually with the body yeah. the physical response and what you're saying is that sometimes they're in sync sometimes they're not in sync that's i think very good to clarify for people i also have another thing that i really want to clarify because i think I'm actually somebody that usually enjoys quite a high libido, but I do also know people who tell me that they've experienced a low libido mm -hmm. for most of their lives. So I want to actually just know, are we actually born with a set level of desire and libido or is it something that we can actually control actually what i would say as far as libido from what i know mm -hmm. i know that there are some biological or genetic factors involved that okay. kind of make us who we are mm -hmm. you know some people are more nat 
touchy outgoing. Some people are more shy. I think with libido too, we'll find that for many people, like if you say you're typically mm-hmm. having a higher libido, that's yeah. probably who you are and somebody else could be different. Right. That being said though, they're not fixed. And okay. there's a lot of factors that can also impact them, right? Mm-hmm. I think just like the stock market, it goes up and down. I think there's a lot of reasons libido goes up and down. And there's a lot of context, like I've mentioned, or a lot of factors, you know. Mm-hmm. For example, as adults, if we're stressed out continuously, if we're not getting sleep, or if we're not eating well, not healthy, if we've got kids at home that might be young children that we're stressed about, you know, pressures from jobs, all of those things... Mm-hmm. I don't think that most people are going to be like, hey, come nighttime when I'm coming home, I am ready to have sex for three hours. And and Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's often on the mind a lot. Also, for a lot of men, I've noticed that if there's a lot of pressures and stress at work, it tends to stress them out and lower their libido Mm -hmm. versus think Mm -hmm. about times you've gone on away on vacation. And then all of a sudden you're like, woohoo, I'm feeling relaxed. Take Mm -hmm. those pressures and stressors away. It's more free flowing. So I shave my balls. I shave my balls. <laughs> exactly. So the first question, yeah, it's probably a similar mm-hmm. place for most people. But I think when you look at life and how complicated it can be, mm. I think also too, again, when you're younger, less stress and hormones are probably rushing a little bit more, you might have a higher versus when you're older. But that's again, not to say mm. certain things can't spark it and mm. certain life changes can't spark it. Mm. lady at the post office (laughs) maybe at the post office you are right anywhere (laughs) anywhere is a fair game so i mean maybe we can talk more about some of the biggest drivers of sparking Mm -hmm. sexual desire because i mean clearly we are releasing this episode for valentine's day and people would love to know what actually does spark sexual desire so i think we've already covered a few things right so We've covered this idea of maybe novelty Mm -hmm. and being out of your usual environment or this idea that maybe it's even a new energy, new people, new environments. What else? I think, well couple of things if you're in a relationship and you just want to kink it up a little bit i mean classic you know phone sex or sexting you know mm-hmm. sending those little messages in the day to and especially if you're not doing it like anything you try mm-hmm. that's new mm-hmm. in your relationship all of a sudden you're reading something whoa what did my wife just say mm-hmm. i didn't wow she's not normally like that yeah. just anything that gets you a little bit out of that comfort zone yeah. i think can spark a lot because we get so comfortable mm-hmm. in our relationships mm-hmm. and do the same same every day Maybe reading some erotic stories together or making a nice sensual playlist. Mm -hmm, I also think as couples kind of thinking about how can we be more sensual together in ways such as like take a dance class together, Mm -hmm. take a massage class together, Mm -hmm. things that get you in your body because we're often Mm -hmm. so in our heads. Oh, yeah. And analyzing and thinking and disconnected from our bodies. So anything that can get us in our bodies, I think, are really good things to help you start feeling more sexual and sensual. Mm. How about introducing someone else? That will get the novelty factor up. That would, but that does require a conversation. I wouldn't suggest bringing someone home one night and going, here you go. Oh, that, that's not how it works. Happy Valentine's <laughs> Day. Exactly. You're asking me about gifts. <laughs> that's a gift. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely involve a no, conversation. No, but that would ruin the surprise. Uh, okay, right. Um, Especially if you have a box and they're coming out of a box and they have a little bow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you might have a variety of different responses to that one. <laughs> all about the surprise. Okay? <laughs> about the surprise yeah no but okay we're also all about the that if that something a couple like would you recommend Mm. that to maybe like starting the conversation even i usually find that couples who are interested in that when they come into my office they'll Mm. already bring it up because they've already been thinking about it but Mm. 
Or say this, if it's something that's on your mind and you're mm. finding, gosh, I've really wanted to explore non-monogamy and, mm. or opening the relationship, really thinking about how would I want to gently bring that to my partner mm. in a very, again, yeah. baby step way. So you can just put it out there that, hey, this is something that's Yeah, I'm asking for a friend, by the way. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just, you know, touch the waters, put your foot on the waters, see how they respond, and then be very gentle about it. Because for some people, it's very threatening and mm-hmm. overwhelming and scary. But so for how, some... how do you introduce the idea then? Like, what are the baby steps like? You know what? I think a really great way is to send them a podcast or something about threesomes or about non-monogamy or something and then just sort of open the conversation that way and go hey I just listened to this amazing podcast <laughs> episode yeah. on better it and better it's called better and better yeah. <laughs> they were talking about yeah. threesomes yeah and I just happened to but yeah. I was just wondering yeah. what did you think about the idea that's like kind of like kind of non-intimidating way of bringing it up The other thing is also using fantasy as well, Mm. right? Like, because you were on my (laughs) sexual fantasies episode, is to even ask if this is a fantasy and even try fantasizing together, Mm. you know? Maybe you watch some porn together on that, say, hey, is this sexy to you? Mm. Is it even a turn on, Mm. you know, and see how they respond as well. I'll make sure my friend knows this answer. (laughs) (laughs) What about another driver for sexual desire being pleasurable sex? Because this is something Mm. that Mm. I think is really important to talk about Mm. as well. Because I think with desire, it's one of those things where you can't really crave something that doesn't feel good, right? I'm so glad you brought that up. That is one of the number one things when I have couples come in. And if, again, whether it's a male or the female that says, I'm just not wanting it, sometimes the partner goes, well, you should have it. We should have it. What's wrong with you? It's like, well, wait a minute. Are you having sex that you really enjoy? Is it sex worth having? Let's talk about that. Because if you're not even enjoying it, it was the point. And actually, do you feel entitled to even say that you're not enjoying it? Do you feel like it's even okay? Or you have space to talk about? And then it can allow you to then go, well, what would you enjoy? What would allow you to step into the sexual arena? What would be some things that would turn you on? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think I always like to use food analogies when it comes to sexual desire because it's like for example you love noodles right yeah. and you, but then you keep going to this noodle shop and mm. the noodles that you order keep tasting shit like yeah. you know you're shitty tasting bowl of noodles but you keep going back to the right. noodle shop and every time you order it it's shitty tasting then after a while you yeah. don't crave noodles mm. anymore right and that's usually yeah. kind of what happens yeah. as well and this can happen I think particularly if you're not finding the sex pleasurable maybe your partner's unskilled or maybe you're not asking mm-hmm. for what you want in bed you know some women is particularly have troubles orgasming and then mm. after a while they're like I don't even see why I should have sex because yeah. it's just for my partner yeah. mm. So I feel like that's also a really important factor, making sure that the sex you are having is worth having, worth craving. I, I mean, guess. yeah, unless you're doing it to like have kids, in which case that's like a chore. Oh. It's not even having sex for fun anymore. It's like yeah, a thing that you, you want to do to get it out yeah. of the way, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is a whole different topic. To me, that, that sex will, has gone horribly wrong. By that the way, we will talk about. Do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's often because there's a lot of performance pressure. Right. Yeah. Around the sex as well. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it stops being pleasurable because mm-hmm. it's yeah. pressure, not yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That is the goal, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know what? That's a very common, I think, 
topic and question that we're actually going to talk mm-hmm. about later mm-hmm. with Christian in our Q&A episode. But yeah, you do bring up a good point. So what about the biggest breaks then that inhibit sexual desire? So what have we talked about so far? We've talked about stress being uh-huh. a big one. Mm-hmm. We've talked about obviously like the lack of pleasurable sex, fatigue, you mm-hmm. know, a very common with mothers yes. and... I think in Hong Kong as well. Yeah. Hong Kong, oh gosh, yes. everybody is stressed and tired yeah. here. Yeah. Are there any I other... I have seen anyone in Hong Kong who is like so relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. You're right. Yeah. Everybody's walking around. Yeah, yeah. Serious, looking at their phones, ready to get somewhere. Yeah, yeah. especially with the masks on as well. Like, you can't even see if someone is smiling or talking or whatever. I know. You know, one thing I was going to mention that I notice a lot is that for some partners, it feels like they have to have sex because they're in this relationship and you have to please your partner. Mm. Or they'll be nagged or guilt-tripped okay. into having it. Yeah. So they feel like, okay, I'm doing it because I have to, but it doesn't certainly make you want to. And if you can't truly say no, how can you truly say yes? Right. You know, so there's no space for that. So that is a real turnoff for a right. lot of people. So it almost becomes like non-consensual in a way. It's an yeah. obligation. As an obligation. Yeah. That, that mercy sex. Oh, I'm oh. supposed to. I guess I have to. Wow. And it's like, oh, if, maybe you not heard of this. No. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a single young guy. So <laughs> yeah. I've really been in like yeah. a super long-term relationship or ah. married or whatever. Okay. But that sounds not terrible. fun yeah. yeah yeah and it's a very kind of old school role for a lot of women i think mm-hmm. like back in the day and maybe in the 50s it was like oh yes you gotta make your husband happy and make you know have sex with him and it was all about pleasing him versus again now we've evolved yeah. it's like well what's gonna make you feel good and make you actually want to step into it so the guilt the nagging isn't fun obviously also, I think there's cultural factors that can come okay. into place, like turnoffs. Like if you feel like it's wrong, you know, if you have internalized shame. a lot of shame, mm-hmm. societal beliefs that you're not supposed to. Again, these can be passed down. They may not be in the younger folks, but it can be passed down through other generations. Uh, it wouldn't be the other, like it can be the other way around, which is like if you're doing it like and see when you know it's wrong, it's a turn on. Oh, that's a different one. That's when you're being naughty. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, that is fun. <laughs> right, that's, right, right. That, that's not a so turn maybe, off. You know, my point is that like, if you're feeling shame or guilt yeah. about it, if yeah. you get it mm-hmm. in the naughty uh, in the part, naughty category. Yeah, naughty exactly. category. And it's kind of linked, yeah. right? That's it depends on how you respond hot. to the shame, yeah. though. Yeah. Some people respond to shame by just shutting themselves down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And some people respond to like they rebel almost against the taboos that they were brought up with you know which i would say i was one of them because i was brought up very very conservative Mm. as well but i would say i swung the other way in my Mm. 20s when i first started becoming very sexually active i wanted to do all the things Mm -hmm. that they told me not to do right yeah (laughs) have some fun but not everyone responds the same yeah. way right so well, well i wish more people respond that way <laughs> <laughs> have more fun. what about the role of things like hormones for example because i think that's something that particularly women ask me a lot especially if they're going through like menopause and and they're quite worried about yeah. like the role of hormones on their yeah. libido and sexual desire. You know, it's so interesting because there's so much out there about hormones mm-hmm. and that, oh, we're getting older, they're lower, you're not going to want sex so much. But then some of the research says they don't play as much of an mm-hmm. issue as far as your desire. It's more about like, say, for example, if you're lacking estrogen, then your vagina is necessarily lubricating so yeah. much yeah. that changes in your body from the hormones, yeah. but that the hormone levels themselves do fluctuate anyway that Mm -hmm. it's not like one day all of a sudden you're losing all your hormones and I have no desire for sex. Again, 
those women, if they have a different situation, might actually find a desire again. So mm. it impacts it, but not always in the way that we think. I see. And okay. as far as hormones go. That's I, good. But That's I do think health issues like diabetes, hypothyroidism, there are some actual like cardiovascular type things that can impact mm-hmm. how your body responds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also body image, you know, I think that's yeah. another thing that sometimes whether it's not even necessarily said or we wouldn't say out loud, we have these images like you're supposed to be fit and hot mm-hmm. to have good sex, like yeah. have bikini body ready for summer so that you right. look good and have yeah. good sex. Yeah. So it's almost like not giving permission to everybody just that you can have good sex. And actually, there's this great book and research from a woman named Penny Peggy Klein, oh gosh, I'm going to say her name wrong. Peggy Klein, but I think that's how you say it. Okay. It's called Magnificent Sex. I'll, I'll get to it. Yeah. But she's done research about what makes good sex. Yeah. And there's nothing in there that says, oh, but you have to have a hot smoking body to have good sex. So let's talk about what's the easiest way to cultivate our levels of sexual desire, especially when sex feels like it's the furthest thing on our minds. And, you know, it's like the last thing we need to do after we come back from like a busy day at work Mm. is like, oh, another thing on our to-do list. Yeah. And I know we've been talking about mindfulness and kind of getting back into your body. So kind of finding a way to put like work and your day out of your mind, come back and maybe do some breathing exercises, Mm. kind of come back into your body, learning to tune into what is it saying to me? What am I wanting? What am I feeling? What kind of energy am I experiencing? And I'll often take that into the sexual realm with couples where, like, say they're engaging in some touch, some kissing, some sex. Yeah. Instead of thinking, what's my next step? What am I going to do next? Try to tune back into your body, mm. if that makes sense from a layman's term. Yeah. Like, how yeah, do you I mean, tune into your body? Like when you are in the middle of sex, like maybe we can talk more. How yeah, would you do that? Because you're a- right. Like usually you would be, at least from my point of view, it'd be like thinking of like, what's the next step? As mm-hmm. you said, yeah. like, mm-hmm. right, we're doing this now. It will be fun. Not yeah. even in like a robotic way, but yeah. it's more like, oh, it would be fun to do this next. So I'm in <laughs> the... Yeah. Maybe I'm looking at it also from a very backwards point of view, man. Yeah. Really is like, oh, you know, let's do this. And it's very structured in a way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even it's still fun, but uh-huh. it's still like I'm thinking of the practical aspect of what we're doing. Sure. Not yeah. Mindfulness. Yeah. Sure. Right? Well, and I mean, if it's working for you, okay. Mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of people, when they're up there, mm-hmm. it becomes kind of robotic or procedural. Yeah. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. And you do the same thing because A to B to C yeah, yeah. versus mm-hmm. you're feeling your partner. How does their skin feel? Right. You know, how does the sensation feel on your hand as you're touching them? Mm. How does their body smell? Their balls are shaven. Focusing on the senses, I think, is a really useful tool that we can use from mindfulness. I think also like slowing down sometimes as well, like like really helps. Yeah. Yeah, because we get so rushed, right? Like in in Hong Kong, it's like... Get it done. It seems like people are so in a rush always to do everything. Even this is like, you can't take your time with it. Exactly. It's all about getting to that end game. And exactly. then it's rushing. And then how fun was that? Versus if you slow it down, every little touch can feel so much more sensual yeah. and exciting. The taste, the smell, the touch, the surroundings. If you take it all in and absorb it, it's a whole different experience. Surroundings, versus- it's a Hong Kong apartment. So it usually <laughs> means my neighbor is also in <laughs> through their window so that's the surroundings i'm well, having it can be erotic too that could be, be fun too exactly <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think I would interject here to actually recommend a book, Laurie Brado's book, oh, yeah. Better Sex Through Mindfulness. It has a lot of tools to help you just be more mindful in the bedroom. And particularly, I think it is based on her research with women where mindfulness was actually scientifically proven to increase sexual desire in women. So it's a really great read if... That's something I think it's for all genders, to be honest. But mm. if sexual desire is something that you want to cultivate and if you're into mindfulness as well. So we actually often hear about this sort of honeymoon glow, right? Where sexual desire is often at the highest at the start of a relationship. Yeah. And then you can't keep your hands off each other. And then it fades over time, right? And we talked a little bit about how sometimes like when you're with somebody for a long time, there is a little bit of that routine and over familiarity, mm. I would say, yeah, that sometimes causes desire to wane. Yeah. Is there anything else that actually causes desire to wane in a long-term relationship? Again, that could be more physical components, mm. things like that. I think we also get so familiar that people almost become like family it's yeah. almost yeah. like you're like part of my family member because yeah. you've been with me so long and I'm having a hard time eroticizing you. Yeah. That's the part that I that think... That has not been my experience around my family, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you're in a long-term relationship. <laughs> You'll I, know. You'll yeah. come back to this and think, that's right. They that, were talking yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come back and record a podcast with you in 10 years' time. <laughs> but yeah. actually, it seems like also one of the main reasons I would think of is people fighting a lot. Like if you're, yeah. you know, yes. that could really yeah. weigh on your absolutely life, thank right? you for bringing that up mm. i was going to talk about that later but mm. a lot of times in long-term relationships if people are more like avoidant mm. in their communication they may not deal with some issues that arise or they'll try to push it down to try to gloss over it and mm. they can just be festering and make yeah. resentments mm. that just build and build and so you may not feel like you even want to come close to your partner right. because you've had all this and then it feels like a huge mountain to get over if you're going to talk about it so again yeah. you push it away so mm. being able to just put that on the table and go you know what are there messes we have to clean up right is if there are why don't we just get it out there maybe get some support from a therapist so that you can talk about it and mm. clear the air so mm. that and then you'll notice like when you clear that air and the energy starts to yeah, come back yeah. it's like wait a minute i'm seeing you good you've apologized mm -hmm. you've taken responsibility for things i got things off my chest mm -hmm. and now i'm feeling some energy with you again you can see your partner kind of as a different person yeah yeah yeah, that one. Should do more of that. Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. should do more of that. Oh, absolutely. I agree. So what are some practical strategies for people in long-term relationships who want to maintain or rekindle their sexual desire for each other over time? Well, certainly what we just talked about, clearing the air for that. Um, oh, I thought you that. meant what we just talked about, Clear. clearing another person. <laughs> <laughs> well, novelty. Yes. Clearing the air, air and making sure that we don't have any sort of resentment yeah, talking about sex, I think, is so great. And people avoid talking about sex, don't they? They'll talk about everything else. Mm. Money, like the finances, any other stressor. I mean, I've had couples where it's been 20 years and they still never talk about sex. Yeah. I think they're scared to. It's like, well, how do I? And it's plus, it's a very vulnerable place. Our mm. sexuality is such a vulnerable place for many of us. So bridging that gap can be kind of scary. But when you do open that up, it's amazing. Like there are things that you might want or enjoy that you've never told your partner and imagine what that can do when you finally decide to uncover that yeah 
that can be a really good thing. Or you can talk about too, as a safer way, what are the things we used to do together that we used to really enjoy together? Mm-hmm. How about this? How about we write down the three most memorable experiences mm-hmm. and then share that with each other? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that can tap into what's already been good. Mm-hmm. And then also talking about it together is kind of sexy. When you're talking yeah. to your partner about sex with them, it can be yeah. kind of a turn on. Yeah. I mean, I also like just writing down three things that you still want to do right. that yeah. you're really curious about, yeah. right? Yeah. Like almost like a bucket list and then sharing that with a partner as well. I think yeah. that could be really sexy. And then this idea of like talking about sex and why it's so important because I feel a lot of times, a lot of couples, they kind of get in the groove where sex just loses priority mm-hmm. over time, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like because they don't talk about sex, then they cannot make it a priority because they can't really solve the problem. What do you feel about this idea of scheduling sex? Because it's quite, you know, it's quite controversial, right? Because we have this idea, obviously, that sexual desire is always spontaneous and effortless. So what are your thoughts on that? Okay, this is one of those things I bring up to people in my practice all the time. And I get mixed reviews or mixed feelings before they do it. Half the people go, oh, sure. You know, like, for example, there's always one higher desire person and a lower desire person Mm -hmm. in the sex in the relationship. Very common. So the higher desire person's like, well, okay, at least I know I'm going to get sex. (laughs) And the lower desire person might be like, well, I'm not going to be pressured every day. So if we do it like once a week, at least I can kind of get ready for that once a week. So there can be that. Some people think it's horrible. Why should we have to, you know, plan sex? It should just should come spontaneously. And I said, well, if it was, great, but it's not. So let's talk about how do we just create this setting, an intimate setting for you to be sexual in any way. And by the way, let's stop thinking of sex as penis and vagina sex only as intercourse. Mm-hmm. Sex is a whole menu, as you know. There are so many different things we can do that can feel erotic and sexual and sensual together. So Mm -hmm. come into this as we're erotic partners creating this together. It's not one person's job to create the space. Mm. It's coming into that setting where we're both open-minded and see where it goes. Yeah. And it's okay if you come in and you're like, you know, tonight can we cuddle? Mm -hmm. You know, can we cuddle, maybe naked cuddle and just caress each other? That's sexual and that can feel really good. And Mm -hmm. maybe if you start with that, maybe it goes somewhere else or maybe not. That's okay too. But I think it helps people make a priority because again, we think, well, it should or in the right relationship, it'll just happen. I'm like, guess what? (laughs) Oftentimes it won't. That's why (laughs) you're here. Yeah. 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 But also I think you have to think about life in general, right? The things we do make a priority, Mm. we do schedule mm-hmm. and we yeah. do make time yes. we make time yes. to go to the gym right yeah. we make time to see our friends for example and these are priorities yeah. for us like so why not sex and that's the other thing it's like are there other reasons it's not being a priority that we're mm-hmm. not talking about mm-hmm. i mean i guess like another reason would be that it's counterintuitive right like when you're thinking of like scheduling it you're taking away all the spontaneous element And, you know, the flirtatious side of it is like, oh, maybe it will happen now while she's doing the dishes or whatever. Uh But when you're scheduling it on like next Saturday. Okay, so I have a comeback for you then. Yeah. So when you're dating somebody and you think you're going to have sex that night. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You're probably shaving your balls. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you're putting cologne on, looking good, getting ready, knowing I'm going to have sex. But you're doing all these lovely things to get yourself ready, turned on and in the mood. 
use it the same way. You know, if I know Saturday night I'm going to have sex with my husband, okay, how can I prepare myself? How can I kind of get myself in the mood? Which might mean things like take a nice shower, put some, do my hair, mm. put something sexy on, some lingerie underneath my dress before we go out for dinner. So I'm actually getting myself excited. Mm. Also, for some people, maybe it's a little bit of self-pleasuring before you engage mm. in the sex. So you can kind of get your body ready if you want to. But it's a myth that... It's always spontaneous, like when you're dating. Not always. I yeah. think my point is that yeah. I am doing all of these things with the hope yeah. that I will get sex. And I mm-hmm. think that's part yeah. of the You excitement. like that feeling of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the maybe. Actually, if I know for sure I'm going to get it, it's, it might be not even like, it might not encourage me to be in my best form because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get it anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, even in early, but in early relationships, you know you're going to get it, but it's still exciting. But the point is, it's the attitude. It's mm-hmm. really the attitude. If you're hoping and waiting for it just to be spontaneous research shows it's probably not going to be that way as much as Mm. you go on so if we shift it to how can i welcome it in Mm. how can i plan for it and be excited Mm. and think about how do i want it to go Mm, how do i want to feel tonight how do i want my body to experience this how do i want to feel afterwards how about a middle ground how about we schedule like somewhere (laughs) in the three Mm. on the weekend that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's great. That's totally yeah. fine. So that's we're going to have totally sex fine. on the weekend yeah. between Friday Love night it. and Sunday night. Yeah. Love it. We don't know when. That's Perfect. totally fine. Right? I think okay. you I can like schedule yeah. a time where you can be spontaneous within yeah. that time. That's yeah. exactly what I meant. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be like five o'clock on the dot. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's such a, like, I'm hearing yeah. it and it's such yeah. a turn off yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. That, all right, we're, we're going to go <laughs> shopping and then we're going to go walk the dog, go to pick up the laundry, have yeah. sex, go to dinner. I'm like, that's yeah, I got so, it. yeah. I, I get I like it. it. Yeah. I, I, I like that too. But also, I think, you know, what I like about scheduling sex is then you really can take turns to anticipate and build up the sexual tension between both of you after. So you, Does that mean that can, one of them doesn't know the time? No, you can send like flirty texts. Ah, you can okay. say, I can't wait for this weekend. Yeah. And this is all the things that I'm thinking of doing with you. Mm. And, you know, I think yeah. that's also very sexy, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Hmm. And I think also when you haven't been doing that in a long-term relationship, again, once you Mm -hmm. add that in, if you can get over that feeling of, oh, this feels silly, you know, Mm -hmm. with my partner who I haven't been having close sex with, to start doing it, again, you start being seen or showing up in a different way and it can surprise your partner. So I like the build-up piece. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to wrap up this podcast with a very quick round that I actually haven't given you the questions for. It's our speed round. It's called Quickie But Goodie. It's a very fun round where (laughs) I ask you questions and you have two seconds spontaneously to answer. But the answers really are just, they don't really matter. They're actually just really fun (laughs) and funny. Okay. And today's questions are all about sexual desire. So we'll all play. In which context are you more likely to feel sexual desire? Getting blindfolded or getting tied up? Oh, blindfolded. Mm. Blindfolded as well. Oh, okay. Getting tied up for me. Nice. I'm claustrophobic. I can't. I am claustrophobic And really? tied down. Yeah, that's not my thing. Uh, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. In which context are you more likely to feel sexual desire? On the MTR <laughs> or, <laughs> or in the office? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'd say in the office. I'd say in the office. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah, I I, I do actually. And again, this is maybe like way out there, but I do stand like in your, you're just in your head. You're like, 
Yeah, you and you and you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's right, not a lot of stimulation, but you could do that in the office as yeah. well. Though. You, yeah, I know. You, in the my, office. My Tea colleagues are... Colleagues, yeah, my colleagues boss. are all just like middle-aged Chinese men who are very serious about oh, okay. their jobs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Not for me. Okay, okay. All right. In an ideal world where we could travel, where would you go for a sexy getaway? I mean, gosh, anywhere where there's warm water beach maldives anywhere there's camels for me (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i knew you're gonna say that (laughs) bali for me close and warm beach all of that yeah Yeah. before people scream at me go back and listen to the old episodes so you know the kind of reference (laughs) not what you're thinking yes (laughs) i'm just gonna leave it there (laughs) yeah and what about if i gave you the chance to only pack one thing for a sexy getaway what would it be one thing Oh God! Let's uh, not be practical. Vibrator. Not- okay. Okay. Another person. <laughs> <laughs> in a suitcase, you're gonna pack another person. You how would you? Not be practical. Why would you? How would you put them in? I the would suitcase? buy them a ticket. <laughs> Again, that would be the surprise. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. For me, I think I would pack some sexy lingerie. Fun. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, complete the sentence. If I were to write a suggestive note to my lover, it would say... <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to keep we that in. Like, that <laughs> in. I'm going to keep That's this perfect. one in. Thank you, Yara. Thank you. Thank you, little one. Thank you, little one. So that's my answer. <laughs> uh, and it translates to, where are you? That's <laughs> yes, where are you? Yeah. Yes, okay. I would say I can't wait to do all these naughty things with you and list them out. Ah, I would say come home, take off your clothes and be in the bedroom and I'm going to come in and do a bunch of naughty things to you you've never had done before. Wow. Wow, nice. I like that. I'm going to stick with my original answer. Where are you? (laughs) With a bark. Exactly, with a bark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Mo and Kristen, for You're joining welcome. me today. Thank you. This, is really um, fun. <laughs> this had a lot of helpful tips and some good information. I hope you got a lot out of it. And I hope we clarified a few of the myths as well that you may have heard around sexual desire. Kristen, where can people find you if they want to get in touch? Well, I'm at Mind and Life here in Hong Kong. So the mindandlife.com website or my own website, drzising.com, spelled D-R-Z-E-I-S-I-N-G dot com. All right. Listeners, let me know what's worked for you in terms of rekindling sexual desire. And if any of our tips today resonated with you, you can find me at Hello Sarah Sense on Instagram or drop me a line at sarahsense.com. And if you want to support the podcast, I would appreciate it if you subscribed, shared, wrote a review, or bought me a coffee. In fact, do all of those things. And please don't forget to support our sponsors as well because they keep me producing this podcast for you for free. And let's make an effort to keep that spark of sexual desire alive so we can get better in bed. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.